You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Good evening and welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. This is episode four of this show and I'm recording this Thursday evening, June 15th, 2023. So as always, welcome back to the show. Um, my name is Matt Anderson and I'm your host for all things Gamecock After Dark. As always, you can reach me at late night Gamecock Show at gmail.com. Again, that is late night Gamecock Show at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. Thank you again for joining me tonight. So, a couple of things we're going to talk about. We'll talk about the SEC's 2024 schedule release. We're going to have some football recruiting notes, maybe project the class a little bit, kind of, kind of look. Kind of look outside the box at some some recruits that I think the Gamecocks are in good standing with. And while I will say that they're in good standing right now and appear to be takes for the Gamecocks, recruiting is a crazy business. So while I'm projecting the class tonight, I'm not going to sit here and say this is 100% rock solid what's going to happen. On top of the schedule release, the recruiting notes, I'm going to have a few other notes from other sports that I will share with you. With that being said... Let's get on with the show. So first off, some sad news in the Gamecock sports world, especially the Gamecock football world. Um, I'd like to honor former Gamecock assistant football coach Brad Lawing. For those of you that may not have heard the news, Coach Lawing passed away today after battling some health issues. Coach Lawing coached for the Gamecocks in two separate stretches of his career. First, he was the Gamecocks defensive line coach from 1989 until 1998. And when he was here with the Gamecocks during that stretch, he coached three future NFL players in Corey Miller, Gerald Dixon, and Henry Taylor. And as the Gamecocks recruiting coordinator, he signed Jonathan Abraham, who went on to be a five-time NFL Pro Bowler. Coach Lowing came back to the university to coach in 2006 and ended his last stretch with the Gamecocks in 2012. He coached and developed players like Jadavion Clowney, who was a future number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Melvin Ingram, a teammate of mine in intramural basketball for the Gamecocks um, when I was there. Um, so obviously Melvin was a defensive lineman slash linebacker for the Gamecocks, but he was on my intramural basketball team. And then also current defensive line coach Travian Robertson. Coach Long was known for being a tough coach. Um, he brought out the best in his players, and his players loved playing for him. They would run through a brick wall for him. And undoubtedly, you know, Coach Long did leave his mark on the Gamecock program. So we here on the Late Night Gamecock Show will have his family and friends in our thoughts and prayers. Some other notes here. On the baseball diamond, we have a couple notes. South Carolina pitching coach Justin Parker, who's been with the team for two seasons, is being courted by LSU and Mississippi State to take over as their pitching coach. Both schools have put together some pretty strong packages for Coach Parker that you know vastly exceed his salary right now with the Gamecocks. And they're also offering multi-year contracts. I think at, at the end of the day, I think Coach Parker wants to stay at South Carolina. He's kind of set some roots in the community with him and his family. But Ray Tanner and the board are definitely going to have some decisions to make soon. In my opinion, I think it would be a pretty pretty big mistake to let Justin Parker walk. Um, he's done a really good job with the pitching staff, especially with the pitching injuries over the last two years. Um, I don't know how he's kind of piecemealed this together. I know last year was really tough from a pitching standpoint for the Gamecocks. And this year, you know, we had some injuries, but it, it was still, he still did really, really well. So anytime you have programs like LSU and Mississippi state coming after your guy, I think it's in the best interest of the Gamecocks to try and hold on to him. I don't know what's going to happen. My hope is the Gamecocks athletic department is able to keep him, keep coach Parker here for a long time. Preferably under a, a long-term contract, you know, get him some more, some more annual salary as well. Speaking of contracts, I think it's past time that the Gamecocks made a commitment to baseball coaches. Right now, most assistant coaches in the SEC are on multi-year contracts and are paid more than South Carolina assistant coaches are paid now. Even Coach Kingston makes six hundred thousand dollars a year, and though he's got his contract extended, he's never got a pay raise. Now, some of you might say, okay, well, when Coach Kingston starts winning the SEC regular season championships, gets to Omaha, then we'll give him a pay raise. But right now, there are actually some SEC assistant baseball coaches that are making more than Coach Kingston. 
So we really do need to address that one way or another because it is it is hitting us on the recruiting front and especially the transfer portal, transfer portal front. A lot of these kids want to know if their coach is going to be there for the three to four years. They're going to be in the garnet and black. So in this world with NIL and the opportunity for players to go play, you know, wherever they want without sitting out a year, and then also when you factor in that baseball players can technically leave after their sophomore year if they're old enough, I think it's past time that South Carolina makes that full-time – not really full-time, they've made a full-time commitment, but what I'm more saying is you know, making that financial commitment and the, the longevity of the financial commitment for, for these coaches. So – that's that on Justin Parker. I know that um, Monty Lee is going to have some opportunities as well in the assist- assistant coaching world for sure, and then potentially, you know, Coach Parker and and Coach Lee will have head coaching opportunities here this off season. And you can't get mad if an assistant coach leaves for a head coaching job, but if if this is going to be a lateral type move to an LSU or Mississippi State, especially for Coach for Coach Parker, I don't think that that's something that the Gamecocks athletic department can can allow. Um. Notable transfer note here, Michael Braswell has left the Gamecock program and has announced that he will transfer to LSU. Uh, Braswell was looking for a guarantee to play shortstop next year, and he didn't get that from the coaches in his exit meeting. So once he didn't receive those assurances, he decided it would be best to start fresh somewhere else. I know that Braswell hasn't really made it a secret that he intended to transfer inside the Gamecock locker room for the past couple weeks. So it doesn't really take the coaching staff or the team by surprise. I personally think it's going to be hard for him to be the everyday shortstop for LSU, but I do wish him well on his way. He certainly flashed a number of times throughout his Gamecock career. If you remember back um, his freshman year, he actually did make some relief appearances on the mound and you know was throwing some, throwing some pretty good cheddar there, 93, 94 miles per hour. So we'll see what happens for Michael Braswell. We wish him well, except for when he's playing the Gamecocks going forward. But on the positive side of the transfer talk, um, the Gamecocks will certainly be in the hunt for as many as 10 transfers this offseason, especially looking at some pitchers, maybe looking to get some more pop in that Gamecock lineup. And one notable player that I can talk about right now is Alabama freshman infielder Colby Shelton. Colby Shelton was a standout freshman for the Crimson Tide this past season. He batted 300 on the season with 25 homers, 51 RBIs, and he led the team with a 729 slugging percentage. So, Obviously a big bat. I think he played a lot of third base for the Crimson Tide this year, but out of high school he was a shortstop. I know he had 10 errors last year at the the third base position, and sometimes he got subbed out late in the games for defensive substitutions. But anytime you can get a bat like... Like Colby Shelton in the lineup, you gotta you gotta kind of swing for the fences there, <laughs> pun intended. But some some other notes on Shelton: he originally committed to Monty Lee at Clemson before ending up in Alabama. His parents now live in Lexington, South Carolina. And for those of you that might not know the state of South Carolina that well or don't know your cities, Lexington is about 20 minutes outside of Columbia. Um, Lake Murray is in Lexington. I've spent a lot of time in Lexington growing up. Um, Lexington's a great place, and his sister's committed to the Gamecock softball program. So there are some family ties that could lead Colby Shelton to the Gamecocks. He played travel ball with Ethan Petrie, where they hit back-to-back in the batting order, and they've remained pretty close friends over time. So while I can't say the Gamecocks are the outright leader for Shelton, there's a lot of smoke that he could end up in a Gamecock uniform next season. Just like with any of these elite players in baseball, football, basketball that are transferring, name, image, and likeness, and you know the kind of kind of money they can make in that in that industry is going to play a key part here. I don't know if the Gamecocks actually have to be the highest bidder for Colby Shelton, but if they can put together a package that's appealing, you know, factoring in his friendship with Ethan Petrie, his relationship with Monty Lee, and his family being in Lexington, I, I hope the Gamecocks can get this done. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Carolina Rise or you know the Game Gamecock Trust. I think that's what that one's called. But um, Carolina Rise Gamecock Trust NIL collectives for the Gamecocks it really does help, and this is just a prime example of a way that you can help um, with eighteen dollars and one cents a month with Carolina Rise to to get a kid like this to Columbia. The power of the collectives are the power in numbers. You know we don't need while we'll take we don't need someone to donate a thousand dollars a month or a million dollars a year. 
you know, when you have 5,000 people donating $18 and one cents a month, it adds up pretty quickly and you can get a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff done that we need to get done on that front. So let's move on and let's talk about the 2024 Gamecock SEC schedule that got released. So Wednesday night, the Gamecocks learned their 2024 SEC football opponents. They learned who their home team, who the home games would be and the away games would be. So the home games are as follows. The Gamecocks will host Ole Miss, LSU, Missouri, and Texas A&M at home. And the road games will be against Alabama, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. So if you missed that really quick, I'll repeat it. Home games are as follows. Ole Miss, LSU, Missouri, and Texas A&M. And the road games will be Alabama, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. My first thoughts on the schedule, just off the cuff, it's extremely weird not to see the Gamecocks play Georgia and two-thirds of the Orange Crush in Tennessee and Florida. South Carolina has played those three teams, Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, every year they've been in the SEC since 1992. But on the flip side of that, South Carolina has not had a heck of a lot of success against Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida. Um, all time, South Carolina is 19-54 and 54 against Georgia. And in the SEC year, South Carolina is 10-21. and 21. Against Tennessee, South Carolina is 11-28-2 all time versus Tennessee. And in the SEC years beginning in 1992, the Gamecocks are 11-20. And, and all time, South Carolina is 10-30-3 versus Florida. And during the SEC year, South Carolina is 7-24 and versus Florida. So it's going to be really weird not to see those guys on our schedule. But I don't know if we could have asked for a better schedule next year, you know, losing those three. Just looking at the all-time record against Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee, the Gamecocks are 28-65 and over 31 seasons in the SEC, good for a 30% win percentage. And it might not be a bad thing to not have Georgia on the schedule who's, you know, Come 2024, would have won two at least at least two out of the last three national championships, and really have become that elite team in college football. If you just look at what they're doing on the recruiting trail right now, you know I can't guarantee Georgia's going to win every national championship going forward, but they're definitely one of those teams that would be in the hunt in a four-team college football playoff that we've had traditionally for a very very long time. If you're looking at Tennessee, Tennessee seems to be on a little bit of an upswing. Um, Gamecocks, you know, obviously the highlight of last season outside of beating Clemson and into that streak was, you know, that that absolute butt whooping that the Gamecocks and Spencer Rattler put on Tennessee with, with Spencer throwing for six touchdowns, 300, 400 yards. I can't remember exactly the right, the total, the exact amount. But Tennessee is kind of in that weird spot where we've seen Tennessee kind of be back before and then we've seen the wheels fall out. So I don't know if Tennessee is going to be this perennial top 10, top 15, top 20 team that, you know, the Gamecocks have seen the majority of the time they've been in the SEC. But not a bad thing to not have them on the schedule this upcoming season. Florida, I, even with the Gamecocks being 7-24 and all-time against the Gators in the, in the SEC days, Florida's just in that weird spot right now with Billy Napier trying to put his fingerprints all over the Gator the Gator offense specifically, I think that the the Florida Gators are always going to be a good team. Are they always going to be this elite team that you know we we remember from Tim Tebow and Chris Leak and in the Spurrier years? I don't know about all that, but they're always going to recruit well. They're always probably going to have more talent, raw talent on the roster than the Gamecocks do. So, so losing those three teams, it it might not be such a bad thing. It might be nice just to see another jersey and helmet across the field. Um, to round out the, the schedule, the Gamecocks will play Old Dominion, Akron, and Wofford at home, and then they'll play at Clemson in the non-conference portion of their schedule. A super early breakdown of next year, you'd have to think it's going to be something like this. I'd say you have four definite wins, and those four definite wins are Old Dominion, Akron, Wofford, and Vanderbilt. In my mind, those are no-doubt wins. You should have zero problem beating Old Dominion, Akron, and Wofford. Vanderbilt, although, you know, they're never really going to be on the come-up in the SEC. And they're a team that has been pesky in the past for the Gamecocks. But with the amount of talent that Shane Beamer inherited from Will Muschamp and the amount of talent that he is has on the roster now and the recruiting classes that looks like the Gamecocks are about to pile up, 
there is zero reason to ever lose to Vanderbilt. So we're going to go ahead and give the Gamecocks four wins there. You know, looking at the swing games, I think it's fair to say that there are four swing games, and they're going to be Ole Miss at home, Missouri at home, Texas A&M at home, and then Kentucky, Kentucky away. Looking at these four teams, you know, I call them swing games, and, you know, there's no easy game in the SEC. You know, once you get past the Vanderbilts of the world, there really shouldn't be that many easy games. There might be some games where the Gamecocks just come out like gangbusters like they did against Tennessee and, and just completely wax an opponent. But by and large, you don't see, unless you're the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, a ton of, you know, 42-7 to games or 56-10. to So most games are relatively competitive. You know, usually you see the spread somewhere in the, in the pick'em range to the three to the four points, you know, seven – 10, it's pretty rare that you see, you know, a 13 and a half, 14, 17 point spread in an SEC game. So we're going to call these games swing games. Again, they're Ole Miss at home, Missouri at home, Texas A&M at home, and Kentucky away. So what I did is I just looked at the last four years for these four schools. And Ole Miss has a 56% win percentage over the past four years and a 27 and 21 record. Missouri has a 47% win percentage over the last four years, a 23 and 25 record. A&M has, has the highest win percentage at 64% over the last four years with a 30 and 17 record. And Kentucky has a 60 win percentage over the last four years going 30 and 20. Kind of breaking these teams down, you, you always know Ole Miss is going to be able to score some points most games. Lane Kiffin might be the best play caller in the country still at Ole Miss, and as a head coach, he still calls his calls his plays. But Ole Miss has always been hit or miss. It's it's never been an elite defensive team. It's been scoring points in bunches. And with the way that Lane Kiffin is relying on the transfer portal right now, you kind of wonder what kind of continuity he'll have at Ole Miss, even with the fact that, you know, he is recruiting well and he's done decently well over the past four years. Missouri – it's, it's past time that the Gamecocks put Missouri in their rearview mirror. Missouri has been a thorn in the Gamecocks' side ever since they came to the SEC. I know that we have the pseudo-rivalry game that has a championship trophy associated with it with the battle for Columbia every year against Missouri. But Missouri is, has, has beat South Carolina and not beat a lot of other teams. So I mean, they're a 500 team. The game's at home. I don't know if Eli Drinkwitz will still be at Missouri when this game happens. So it could be a Missouri team in transition. So you gotta you gotta like the Gamecocks chances at home in twenty twenty four against Missouri. So Ole Miss and Missouri, let's say they win one of those games, that gets us to five wins on the season. And then the next two are Texas A and M and Kentucky. Texas A and M, you know, they're they're gonna be it's gonna be at Carolina. We saw what Carolina did to Texas A and M this past season. I, I know that Texas A&M always has talent. They, they always recruit in the top five, top 10, top 15. They've been spending just bukus of money on their NIL and their recruiting classes. And it's led to a little bit of helter-skelter in their program. So even with Jimbo, Fisher, Jimbo Fisher's buyout, I, I still would imagine that Jimbo will be the head coach at Texas A&M when this game is played. We'll see what happens with their experiment with Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator this year. Jimbo kind of, kind of letting Bobby Petrino take the take the reins there. So we'll see what happens with Texas A&M. But for the foreseeable future, you know, let's just call that a 50-50 game. You know, maybe slightly leaning towards A&M. You know, on a neutral field, and especially at Texas A&M. But at home, at Williams Bryce, you know, we'll say that's a swing game. And then looking at Kentucky, I really think Kentucky is a lot like Missouri. Um, obviously Kentucky's been a thorn in the side of the Gamecocks for a really, really long time. It was nice to break that streak this year in Lexington uh, against Kentucky and get, and get a win back in the win column. But Kentucky is a team that they have an identity, and you, you know what you're getting when you play Kentucky. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to play tough defense. And, and no game at Kentucky is easy, per se. And the Gamecocks have clearly struggled at Kentucky in the past. So if you look at that Kentucky and Texas A&M game, let's say the Gamecocks find a way to, to win one of those. You know, we're looking at six wins at that point. So six wins, two losses with four games left. 
the I think the next segment you kind of put this in is three tough games, which would be LSU at home, Oklahoma away, and Clemson away. LSU under Brian Kelly is is going to continue to recruit high, at a high level. They're going to continue to be a well-coached football team, and playing LSU at home certainly gives us a bit of an advantage, but I still think that's going to be tough. LSU, just they're going to have better players in the Gamecocks, and I hate to say it, Gamecocks are going to have to kind of punch over their weight class in that game, even at home. But so we'll say that's going to be a tough one there. We're not we're not going to say a win or loss yet. And and guys, it's absolutely crazy. I'm giving you wins and losses right now, in my opinion, for something in 2024. But you know, it's all about it's all about looking forward, and it's all about you know the excitement of knowing our schedule. So let's let's just continue to go through this, and we'll have some some notes here at the end. Oklahoma away. I don't I don't think the Gamecocks. I don't know what that team's going to look like. I mean, Brett Venables seemed to have Carolina's number when Will Muschamp was the coach. Um, he had a lot of teams' number at Clemson when he was a defensive coordinator there. Oklahoma's always going to recruit well, so that's another game where the Gamecocks are probably going to be at a raw talent disadvantage. So we'll call that a tough one. And then obviously Clemson at the end of the year at Clemson. We saw what the Gamecocks did did this past year, you know, winning – 31 to 30, I believe was the final score. It was a wild, wild game. It was a fun game. And it was a game that the Gamecocks can really build off of. I think you got to see what happens against Clemson this year because they, they do have a new offensive coordinator. They've continued to re- recruit well at quarterback. But as you know, you know, what they have, what they have with DJ, a five star top 10 player in the country and couldn't throw a forward pass to save his life. So you can't always get blinded by the stars. Clemson will probably have more raw talent on the roster, but you can throw out talent. You can throw talent out the window sometimes when teams are, you know, somewhat in the same stratosphere. And and for the for the six or seven game losing streak, however long it ended up being against Clemson, I think it was seven. It, Clemson didn't just have more talent; they had a lot more talent than the Gamecocks. You know, the, the, that those couple years there. So as we see with Clemson, you know, things kind of go in runs. Carolina won five in a row. Clemson won seven in a row. But overall, over the last 20 years, it's, it's been a relatively relatively even rivalry. I think Clemson probably has the upper hand by a little bit. So we'll see what happens against Clemson. And then obviously you have the likely loss at Alabama. I imagine Nick Saban will still be coaching at Alabama. It's just a talent factory. I, I think that's going to be tough for the Gamecocks to win. So let's say that, you know, they get uh, – Six, seven wins, and they win one of their um, three tough games, LSU, Oklahoma, Clemson. That gets you to eight. I think the floor on the season is seven wins in 2024 with a nine to 10 win season in play. But there's just so much that goes into it. You know, we're, we're talking two years away now, and even with the coaches and these crazy contracts they have now and the buyouts that are associated with them, a lot can change. A lot can change in this amount of time, especially with the influx of money that's going to come with Oklahoma and Texas. You know, some programs that might have been waiting to make a move could potentially make a move with a buyout when they have a little bit extra, a little extra coin in their pocket. But overall, I don't see how the Gamecocks could have got much more of a favorable draw. Um, it, it does stink to lose the the Georgia game, the Tennessee game, and the Florida game, despite our lack of success historically. Historically, there, it's still it's still an important game, and it's a game that you know Gamecock fans get up for every year. So it kind of feels like we're like a quasi SEC West school in twenty twenty four. But you know that's why you play the game. So it'll be fun to see different uniforms in Williams Bryce. It'll be fun to make some of those road trips. If you've never made the road trip to Alabama, even with you know how tough that game looks, I, I recommend you go to Alabama just so you can see what Tuscaloosa. Is like on game day. You know, if you want to go to Norman to go see the Gamecocks play Oklahoma, I mean, I've had some friends that have been to Norman. There's not much to do there, but you can stay in Oklahoma City. It's a it's a short drive over or even um, Kansas City and get there pretty quickly. But all in all, the Gamecocks seem to catch some fortunate breaks there with having some good home games and some good away games. So I think it'll be exciting. And you know williams Bryce is going to be rocking. So that was my take on the 2024 schedule. Um, I guess one note that I forgot to mention is Curtis Fry, um, longtime South Carolina track coach, um, announced his retirement today. 
And a lot of people are wondering what kind of impact that might have on Nicholas Harbor. I don't think it's going to have any impact on, on Nick Harbor. I think he's extremely happy with this decision to come to South Carolina. He's already on campus. He's got some NIL stuff working in his favor. So don't worry about Nick when, when it comes to track and field. I think if anything, it's a great opportunity to attract a top name in the track and field community because, you know, Coach Fry did establish a an elite program at South Carolina for a very, very long time. His track record, another fun, um, speaks for itself. And to have to have a an, a track athlete like Nicholas Harbor to mold and kind of, you know, maybe have a career launching point or you know, the next step in your career by coming to South Carolina. I think it's nothing but a feather in the cap for, for Gamecock athletics and especially the track and field program. So we'll see what happens in the track and field world. We'll see who the Gamecocks hire. But I think that I think that the future is in good hands there. And it might have been, you know, you never like to see a coach go out when they don't want to leave. You know, you overstay their welcome. And obviously Coach Fry did not do that at all. I think Coach Fry could have been the – the head track and field coach at University of South Carolina until the day he died if he if he had chosen to do that. So we wish we wish Coach Fry the best of luck in retirement and um we hope to see him around the Gamecock program and around Columbia for a really, 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 really long time. So we've reached kind of the halfway portion of this episode tonight. And I do want to give a quick shout out to the Big Spur. If you have not joined the Big Spur yet, it's a great time to join. Um, when you have these summer recruiting visits, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a moment, but these summer recruiting visits are chock full of information. You have all of these Shane Beamer football camps that are going on. You have the seven on seven tournaments and South Carolina has done a really good job of uncovering great athletes in these, these summer camps and especially during this unofficial and official visit process that's happening this summer. So Go ahead, hop on the Big Spur. I got to give a huge shout out to Hale McGranahan, Alex Jones. They've been on the ground covering all of these camps, and they're they're delivering a lot of information that um, is really big for the Gamecocks, not only in the 2024 recruiting class, but also the 2025 and 2026 class. So head over to the Big Spur. Go ahead and take advantage of a promotion. I think they have a promotion right now that's like a dollar for six months. So thank you to CBS for helping us out with that and and allowing some new members to join join the site. Um, come join us on the Big Spur. You know, post and, and let us know that you're there. We'll, we'll welcome you with open arms, and, and we can't wait for you to join the conversation. So if you want to join the Big Spur, it's www.thebigspur.com. Take advantage of the promotions and, and come join our Big Spur family. We're going to go through a couple of recruiting notes here. Um, for those of you that might not have been following recruiting, you know, kind of, coming off the tail end of the baseball season and, you know, maybe putting your focus there. Um, right now, recruiting is, is hitting up another notch. The summertime, like I mentioned earlier, is always a time for the Gamecocks to get a lot of kids on campus, kind of show them what life at Carolina is like outside of a football weekend. They have really good opportunities to tour the campus, talk to advisors, talk to folks about their potential majors, and and spend a lot of time around the football facility, the football stadium, the practice fields and um, kind of get to know the current players and the recruits on a different level than they can on a game weekend and, and just so much more time spent with coaches as well. So for those of you that have not been paying attention, the Gamecocks 2024 recruiting class, we currently have 10 players committed. Um, the class is ranked 17th overall in the country. However, with only 10 commitments, um, if you go by average player ranking, the Gamecocks actually have the fifth best recruiting class there. And it's just one of those ways that the composite rankings work. Um, the more, the more commitments you have, the more opportunity you have to accrue points. So while the Gamecocks are 17th overall, don't let that dissuade you from the type of class that the Gamecocks actually are putting together right now. It's an elite class that has a lot of difference makers already. And they're going to add a few more defensive or well, defensive difference makers, definitely, but, but difference makers overall in the class going forward. So I'll give you a quick rundown of the recruiting class right now. Um, you have offensive tackle Cam Pringle from Dorchester, South Carolina. Cam's a four-star, um, 52nd overall player in the country. He's six foot seven and 338 pounds. And then on the other bookend tackle, you have offensive tackle Josiah Thompson from Dillon, South Carolina. And he's a four-star. He's 57th overall in the country. Six foot six, 280 pounds. 
I can tell you right now that the Gamecock coaches feel like they have the two best offensive tackle prospects in the country committed to them in Cam Pringle and Josiah Thompson. Those guys are elite, elite offensive line building bookends at right and left tackle, and um, they have a really, really, really bright future in Columbia. At tight end, you have Michael Smith from Savannah, Georgia. He's a four-star as well. 129th overall player in the country, and he's six foot four, 235 pounds. Very athletic, catches the ball, can move, can make things happen in space. Um, just a dynamic tight end that's already 6'4", 235, so the prototypical size that you want. At linebacker, you have Wendell Gregory from Marietta, Georgia. He's a four-star, 149th overall player in the 24-7 composite. Six foot two, 217 pounds. Um, he's more of your your rangy linebacker that can cover a lot of ground, can rush the passer, can can kind of get after the football. So the Gamecock coaches are really excited for Wendell. Wide receiver Mazio Bennett from Greenville, South Carolina. Yet again, another four star, 199th overall in the country, six foot, 180 pounds. For those of you who don't know, Mazio has had a great relationship with Coach Step. Um, his entire high school career, essentially. He committed to Tennessee early on in his junior year, and Coach Step never gave up, kept recruiting, kept grinding, and shortly after the Gamecocks beat Tennessee, as we talked about earlier last year, he decommitted from Tennessee, and a few weeks later, he was committed to the Gamecocks. So big get in-state for the Gamecocks at wide receiver. At safety, you have Kelvin Hunter um, from Florence, South Carolina, Four-star, 221st overall player in the country. He goes 5'11", 181. He is a head-hunting safety. Kind of reminds me of DJ Swearinger a little bit. Um, Just a really good get out of Florence, which is my hometown and and where I currently live. So happy to see Kelvin Hunter, even though he goes to West Florence. I'm happy to see him come over to the good guys with South Carolina for his college career. At cornerback, you have Braden Lee from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. He's a four-star 271st player overall, six foot one, 163 pounds. At quarterback, you have Dante Reno, um, Cheshire, Connecticut. Probably the only quarterback we're going to take in this class. He's a four-star, 350th overall in the country. He's six foot one, 200 pounds. Really elite arm talent. His dad is the head football coach at Yale. You you can tell that he's obviously had great coaching his entire life and. If you, if you get a chance, go go watch some of his highlights because the ball really explodes off his hand, and you can really see how hard he's worked on his technique because you know he gets his feet in the right position, he drives the ball, and, and you can hear the whistle and you can hear the pop when the ball is called. So really excited about Dante Reno. I definitely think that you know he's a little underrated right now. I think he should probably be in that top 250 in the country. I think the biggest knocks on him right now are size. Like I said, he's 6'1", 200 pounds. Uh, Mazio Bennett's teammate, offensive tackle Blake Franks from Greenville, South Carolina as well. He's a three-star. Um, I think he's probably a four-star. Um, I'd rank him a, a little bit higher than he is right now. 469th overall in the country. He goes six foot five, 310 pounds. And then obviously the latest commitment that the Gamecocks received was from punter Mason Love from Riverside, Missouri. Um, punters don't really get ranked that highly in um, the 24-7 composite. So, you know, he's not ranked as a star and he's not ranked overall in the country, but he's six foot, 170 pounds. And I think he really passes the eye test with what he can do punting the football. And anytime Pete, Lim- Pete Limbo signs off on a special teams player, you got you to be excited. So two quick notes on commitments that we just talked about. Four-star tight end Michael Smith. Um, he committed to the Gamecocks back in January. Um, he was one of the 11 visitors the Gamecocks hosted recently for official visits. During his visit, um, I think that Michael had a really good connection to the program that, that stays strong with him. Um, he often talks about it being his second home. He's still getting a couple people that are recruiting him, notably Tennessee. Um, and that's only because his quarterback is a Tennessee commitment, and he's pushing pushing Michael pretty hard. But I don't think you have anything to worry about with Michael Smith. He's he's really loyal to the Gamecocks. and. I think that the visit only did more for the Gamecocks here. I think that he's locked in, and he had an opportunity to bond with some of his future teammates, and he got to spend some time with Jody Wright. They kind of talked about some things he needs to work on in his senior season, but he's locked in with the Gamecocks and pretty pretty excited for him to come, come join us next season. 
Dante Reno, um, we talked about him, four-star quarterback. Um, he made it to the Elite 11 out in California. For those of you that don't know, the Elite 11 is a competition involving 20 of the top quarterback recruits in the country. So Dante's out there. Um, they'll complete, they're they're going to compete throughout the week, and at the end of the event, they'll announce the top 11 quarterbacks, hence the name Elite 11, and then someone will be named an MVP. So really hope Dante does a good job out there. Um, it's a big opportunity for Dante to shine against some national quarterback prospects that he might not get to compete against in his high school season, especially being up there in, in the Northeast. So... Another note here, um, we're going to move into some kind of like the recruits that have not committed. Um, Dylan Stewart, um, Tony had a great little blurb today on the Big Spur in his um, morning notes that he puts out every single every single morning. Five-star edge player, number two edge in the country, um, number 10 overall in the national rankings. Um, he went to Miami last week. Um, you hear You hear some buzz right now about Miami. I think that Miami has obviously put themselves in a better position than they were in coming into the visit. And even coming into the visit, they kind of had some momentum there. But I don't – I think that the, the Miami hurricane interest is a little overblown. Um, he's going to visit – he already visited Georgia and not really sure how that how that went. Um, he, he's always had Georgia in his top five, you know, along with the Gamecocks, Alabama, Miami, and a couple other teams have rotated there. He's going to go to Ohio State this weekend. So we'll see what happens there. And then, you know, obviously next weekend, June 23rd, he'll be at South Carolina. When it comes to Dylan Stewart, he he feels really comfortable at South Carolina. He's made a lot of visits to the school. So it'll be a it'll be a big deal for the Gamecocks to get him in for an official visit for that big official visit weekend where they're going to have a lot of their commits there. Um Dylan's really good friends with the kind of like that that Washington D.C. Maryland kind of pipeline that the Gamecocks have have kind of have kind of started in the last couple of years. So he's he definitely knows guys on the team. He knows the recruits that are coming in next year, and I, I really think the Gamecocks have a lot of staying power here. And you know, until somebody tells me differently, you know, the Gamecocks are solidly solidly in his top four. And I hear a lot of rumors right now that the Gamecocks might be his number one team behind the scenes. So keep Dylan Stewart on the top of your mind. He's coming in June 23rd. Um, For my money, I think he might be the best recruit in the country. So we'll see what the Gamecocks do there. They definitely have staying power, and we will um, be excited to watch that recruitment kind of unfold. Three-star running back Michael Fuller, um, he came in, and he had a great official visit. He's not committed yet, but I strongly, strongly feel that he will be a Gamecock commitment sooner than later. You know, Fuller's a kid that plays running back and linebacker for his high school team. So he he knows how to play physically. He knows how to be, you know, kind of like that bulldozer at running back from his defensive time. And um, I think it's, like I said, it's just a matter of when he he hops in the fold. So my projection for him is a future Gamecock commitment. Three-star linebacker David Busey, Busey, don't know how you actually pronounce his last name. He's kind of he's a guy that's been on the radar for a little bit for the Gamecocks, but he came to camp and he had a he had a pretty good camp showing, earned an offer from the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks actually like him in the secondary. So, you know, even though he's listed as a linebacker, you gotta think about him as a secondary player. Um, Gamecocks did offer, like I said, um, he has offers from App State, Iowa State, Tulane, and West Virginia. He really, really enjoyed his time in Columbia. Um, he liked the he really liked the coaches. They kind of got along really well, and obviously the facilities kind of blew him out of the water. So we'll see what happens with him. I think he's a guy that that the Gamecocks could kind of slow play. Um, he's visited the Gamecocks a few times now. I think three or four. He's going to play another visit. My projection is if the Gamecocks want him, they can get him. So we just have to see if the Gamecocks go full bore on David Busey, three star defensive tackle. Nama Indy Ojiboko, a three-star defensive lineman. He he had a good time. He had a good time um, on his Carolina visit, coming off a Rutgers visit as well. He had a good time talking with the team, coaching staff. I think he is going to be a priority at defensive tackle. Um, he's getting he's getting that relationship with Travian now. I think they've they've kind of hit it off so far, but it's still in the kind of get to know you phase. 
there's a chance that Ojiboko is going to visit Georgia. Um, so we'll see if he does that at the end of the month. Uh, he wants to make a commitment this summer. My projection here is South Carolina is sol- solidly in the top three. I think that he's another one that they, they might lead for behind the scenes. So let's see what happens with Georgia. Um, Georgia and Southern Cal, y'all, they're just kind of a thorn in the side of Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks at the moment. They are, um, they're both really high on the recruiting trail right now, and, and you got to hope that they fill up soon because they're kind of swooping in and, and grabbing some guys that the Gamecocks are, are making a lot of headway with and have had official visits lined up. And, you know, in both cases of Georgia and Southern Cal, we have seen um, Gamecock official visits get canceled um, shortly shortly before a commitment to Southern Cal and Georgia. So we'll see what happens with Ojiboko. Let's see what happens with Georgia. But I like where the Gamecocks stand right now. Three-star safety, Caleb Harris. Three-star safety, Caleb Harris. Um, had, a good, had a good visit to South Carolina. Um, I think he's really getting along with Torian Gray. Um, you know, Torian's talked to him about playing, you know, both the safety and the nickel positions for the Gamecocks. Harris does have a, an official visit set with Georgia Tech on June 23rd, and I think a commitment's going to come shortly after. Watch and see if that Georgia Tech official visit happens because I really think that he's going to be a Gamecock commitment sooner than later. So my projection here is future Gamecock commitment. Four-star safety, Malcolm Ziegler. Um, He had a good official visit. I think that um, the Gamecocks are probably in his top five, maybe his top four. I don't think he's close to making a decision. You know, he's been North Carolina, Notre Dame. I think that I think this is another another case where Torian Gray's kind of track record speaks for itself and kind of got the Gamecocks in the door here. So we'll see what happens. He got the official visits with Notre Dame and North Carolina lingering. He's talking about making a July decision. So I, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't have a great feel where the Gamecocks stand. I don't think they're out there in the wilderness with this kid. I think they have staying power and. Just have to see what happens with those official visits coming up. So projections, South Carolina's in the top five, but I don't feel great or or warm and fuzzy or anything at the moment. Another guy we got to talk about is four-star defensive tackle Nasir Johnson. Um, he's ranked 213 in the country. Um, Gamecocks are in the top five. You got Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, South Carolina. He really vibed with Travian Robertson. Um, talked about his future with the Gamecocks with Shane Beamer. Johnson's not going to make a commitment, you know, imminently. I don't think. I think he's looking for something, you know, right before his, his high school football season, you know, kicks off. I think that the Gamecocks have a good story to, story to tell here. I mean, he's looking for an overall environment that he feels welcome in. He's looking for an environment that he can grow as a person and a football player. So. We'll see what happens with this Florida State and Florida visits. My projection is South Carolina is firmly in his top three, and another guy I think you know might lead behind the scenes. All right, so that kind of touches on the news from the past couple of weeks um, when it comes to priority recruits the Gamecocks are talking to. Um, as always, go back to episode one. Um, you can go back and listen to you know a full rundown of the upcoming official visits. You know we started with that. Um, June 9th weekend, and we're kind of just rolling through. Um, quick note, there are no, there are not going to be any official visitors this weekend. Gamecock coaches are taking the week off, the weekend off for Father's Day. I think it's the right thing to do. The coaches are working really hard, probably deserve a little bit of a rest, and really need to gear up for that June 23rd official visit weekend, which will be a big deal. So... I told you, I told, and thank you for sticking with me. Um, I told you at the end of this episode I was going to do a projected class for the Gamecocks. So, looking at the projected class, you know, I've already touched on the 10 commitments. We got um, quarterbacks, offensive tackles, we got linebackers, we got some secondary folks. Um, so, we got, a, we got a strong foundation there, you know, wide receiver and Mazio Bennett. I think at, at running back, I think the additions to this class you're going to see are. Matthew Fuller, who we touched on here a second ago, and then Daniel Hill. Daniel Hill is a four-star kid. He um, is a strong lean to the Gamecocks right now, and I'd be really surprised if he didn't end up in the Gamecocks class. So running backs, Matthew Fuller and Daniel Hill. Wide receivers, um, I feel really good about Keelan Adams and where the Gamecocks stand right now. Keelan Adams is a four-star kid. 
he came in a couple weekends ago, spent some time with Dante Reno and Mazio Bennett. They were they were running routes and, and catching balls and, and really got along really well. I think Keelan's enamored with the Gamecocks coaching staff and the atmosphere around the program right now and the trajectory he sees the Gamecocks on. Another guy that hasn't got a lot of mentions lately on the message board specifically is Jonathan Paler. Um, he is an athlete, but he's probably going to play wide receiver at South Carolina. Just another kid that has a great relationship with Justin Stepp. Um, I think that it's a matter of, you know, when, not if. Jonathan Paler jumps in the boat. So wide receivers, I think you can pretty much pencil in Keelan Adams and Jonathan Paler for this recruiting class. At one time, I thought the Gamecocks were only going to take three wide receivers, but I guess I need to go ahead and make note of um, another wide receiver that the Gamecocks are in on. Um, it's a name that you might know. It's a kid from Aiken, South Carolina. Um, if you've been following any kind of recruiting news, you'll know that Braylon Staley is um, a highly ranked kid in state in the composite. I think he's ranked 120th or 100, somewhere between 120th and 150 overall in the country at wide receiver. South Carolina kid that probably would have committed to Clemson. However, Clemson's already accepted two wide receivers for this class and don't plan to take another one. I didn't think the Gamecocks were going to go in on Braylon Staley, but it looks like they are going to going to throw their hat in the ring. Gamecocks have had not had much go on right now, or to, uh, not much going on thus far with Braylon, Sta- Braylon Staley. So let's see what happens there. Uh, the Gamecocks are at least going to kick the tires on him and, and see what kind of, what his interest level is. So keep an eye out for him. He's another four-star. You know, you get Keelan Adams, Jonathan Paler, and then Bray- Braylon Staley to couple with Mazio Bennett, and that's four four four-star wide receivers with the quarterbacks the Gamecocks have in that quarterback room and, and the sky's the limit there. So excited for the skill positions going forward on offense. Defensive line, I think you're going to see the Gamecocks end up with D.D. Holmes, four-star defensive end, edge player. Nasir Johnson, another four-star. Um, Quintavious Johnson, a four-star. And Namadi Ojaboko. I think those four guys I feel really good about the Gamecocks' chances with right now. I think that behind the scenes they lead for all four of them. I know there's been a lot of hand-wringing and kind of wondering what are the Gamecocks going to do at defensive line. It's such, a, such an important you know, part of, the, part of the defensive position groups. I'm just telling you, don't stress out too much right now because I think you're going to get those four guys. And those guys, again, are Dee, Dee Holmes, Nasir Johnson, Namadi, Ojaboko, and Quintavious Johnson. I feel good about those those guys right now. But things change. You know, I don't know who's going to come in with an offer. I don't know if um you know, these are we're talking about teenage kids, so they could change their mind. But the one big name that you'll you will you probably realize I didn't mention is Dylan Stewart. We talked about him on this show. Until somebody tells me otherwise, I'm penciling him into the Gamecock class. I know that's big news. I know that you know it's hard to believe, but there's just a lot going on behind the scenes with Dylan Stewart and the way the Gamecocks are recruiting him, the way he feels about the program, the amount of times he's visited, that I think the Gamecocks 100% have staying power here. If you remember the Nicholas Harbor commit, commitment, you know the Gamecocks got that, but there were some squirrely moments there in the midnight hours. and. You know, he waffled between South Carolina and Oregon probably three or four times that night before he officially put on that Gamecock hat. So I like where the Gamecocks stand with Dylan Stewart at the moment, but recruiting's crazy. And the amount of money and the opportunities that are being thrown to these kids are wild. And when you have a five-star kid, you know, a difference maker like Dylan Stewart, you you can never count your, your chickens before they hatch. Gosh, I'm full of puns tonight. I love it. So circle Dylan Stewart. I feel good about him right now. Linebacker, I think the Gamecocks are going to get Fred Johnson. He's a three-star right now. He's going to be a four-star eventually. With his measurables and his size, there's there's no reason that kid should not be a four-star. In the secondary, I think you're going to see the Gamecocks get Caleb Harris sooner rather than later. We talked about Caleb a little bit ago. I like where the Gamecocks stand with Kaj Sanders. Um, and then David, David Busey, I don't think the Gamecocks would offer him in camp if they weren't ready to accept a commitment from him. So I'm going to put David Busey on the commitment list right now. I think South Carolina is where he wants to go. He's going to have another visit here soon. I think that visit is just to make sure that he he knows 100% that South Carolina is the place for him when he makes that commitment. So 
David Busey, Busey is a guy that I think can rise up the recruiting ranks. You know, when you always watch in the summer for these kids that get offers at camps. Um, Nick Imanwari was one of those kids. DK or DQ Smith was one of those kids. So, you know, those under the radar guys, like, don't be fooled by their star ratings. If they come into camp, especially in the secondary, and Torian Gray wants them, trust me, you want them too. So, if I add all of those players that we just talked about with the 10 we have committed, that brings the recruiting class up to 23 players. That would give South Carolina 271.63 points in the 24-7 composite team rankings. Last year, that would have been good enough to rank 13th in the country. So, right now, I think it's safe to say you're going to see the Gamecocks end up somewhere in the 10th, somewhere in the 10th to 15th range in the national recruiting rankings this year, team rankings. But with that being said, there's no limit of 25 players in the SEC recruiting class anymore. Um, quick research showed me that teams can sign up to 32 players in each class, and that might not even be accurate anymore. I think it really just matters, you know, staying under that 85 total scholarship limit. So if you look at the 85-man roster, I think that at max you can see the Gamecocks take 27 to 28 players this this recruiting cycle. Um, you know, so 23 is my projected class right now with additional four to – four to five players coming in. I think that you could see the Gamecocks crack the top 10 in the national recruiting rankings. I still think that the Gamecocks have a lot of underrated players in the recruiting class right now. And that's saying something considering, you know, just going on a player player ranking average is the fifth best recruiting class in the country, you know, quality over quantity. Right. So, you know, look at potentially a 28 man class, but without knowing who decides to leave the program with eligibility eligibility remaining, I don't know exactly how many players South Carolina is going to decide to take in this class. This coaching staff is always going to hold a few scholarships back um, in this NIL and transfer era. You just never know what might be available to you. You know, after the dust settles of the regular season, the bowl games, then you also have you know spring practice and depth charts get kind of formulated. So. Shane Beamer is always going to hold some scholarships back, and I think that's a smart thing to do. So excited for this Gamecock recruiting class. I know that it's been a little bit since we've had a flurry of commitments, but I think that those commitments will be coming soon, and July is going to be a big month for the Gamecocks. I would expect to see two or three more players pop before July, and then I think you could see you know up to six, seven, eight players pop in July where – which is really where the coaching staff wants to be. They they'd love to have, you know, their recruiting class kind of, kind of seventy five eighty percent of the way done, leading into fall practice. Get these guys on campus, watching some practices. You know, go go ahead and go out and scout some some fall practices and the high school ranks. Go do some high school visits, and then get ready for the football season where you're going to have official visits and and just getting those gamecocks ready to take the field. So. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode tonight. That's everything that I have to talk about at the moment. And that's really about all the time we have. I promise I'm always going to try and keep these shows under an hour. Um, once it gets past an hour, it gets a little squirrely with commutes and people at the gym and walking your dog and all that. So I want to give you guys a, an opportunity to fill that time void you have in your day with some Gamecock stuff. So, as always, you can reach me at late night gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, that's late night gamecock show at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. I hope that you all have a great night and a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday night. See ya. <laughs>